0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sports Talk with Tonsoni. I'm your host, Brian Tonsoni. The college basketball season starts in a few weeks. Practice has been going on for some time, and everyone is excited to see their favorite team in action. This episode will be the first in a four-part series where Brian Morrow of Busting Brackets, myself, and a guest will preview every conference in the country. This episode will focus on the conferences from the eastern part of the country. Our guest tonight is Brian Ralph. Did I say that correctly?
1: You did.
0: You did. Okay, of busty brackets as well. Brian is a graduate of South Carolina, currently resides in North Carolina, and we will together be covering these conferences: the American East, the Ivy Conference, the MAC—not the MAC in the Midwest, uh, Northeast, the Patriot, the A10, the Big East, and the ACC on this show. So let's get started, Brian Morrow. I'm going to have to make sure I say the last names tonight because we have three Brian's on the show. Brian Morrow, introduce yourself real quick.
2: Morrow, you guys have seen me on the podcast before. I write for Busting. I've for about a body year and a couple months now. Really excited for the college basketball season, um, and hopefully, my picks um, for who's going to win the, the conference title do well. They probably won't, but
0: that's my little disclaimer. So, Brian Ralph, uh, introduce yourself to our listeners.
1: My name is Brian Rauf also, right for Busting Brackets. Very excited. I've been covering college basketball um, for different outlets for about seven years now or so. Very excited to get the season started. It's a, a season, I think, it'll be interesting. There's no clear-cut top teams. There's no clear-cut top players. There's a lot of parity, I think, at kind of every level of the sport, which will make for a, a very exciting season.
0: And speaking of that parody, we're going to start off in the American East, which produced its championship last year, UMBC, which was the first 16 seed to beat a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. And UMBC finished, I believe, uh, let's see, third or fourth in the conference, uh, finished, finished second last year with a 25-11 and 11 overall record, 12-4 and four in the conference behind Vermont, who only lost one conference game, but was defeated in the conference tournament. So, uh, Brian Morrow, we'll start with you, and then you and Brian go back and forth until we're done with the American East, and and then I'll I'll chirp back in. But what should fans look for in this conference this season? Not
2: for UMBC to be a contender, I don't think. They lost a lot of pieces. I mean, they're – oh, man, what was that guy? I'm drawing a blank on what his name was at this point, but the –
1: Jairus Lyles?
2: Yeah, Jairus Lyles. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Jairus Lyles, he was an interesting story in college basketball last year because he was really coveted by a lot of schools to be a grad transfer because of how good he was. He decided to stick with UMBC and then he had probably the greatest game of his career, obviously, the greatest game of his career um, in the absolute whitewashing of Virginia last year in the tournament. So. (laughs) I've I've watched Virginia basketball a lot. I am one of the proponents that has said sometimes that their style of play doesn't always work in the tournament against up-tempo teams, and UMBC was one of those. And it obviously needed to be a perfect storm for UMBC to win that. But this year, I think it's going to be more of the same. And I picked Vermont. However, I have Hartford as a 1B or 1A technically i think i'm close
1: yeah i think there are definitely a couple tiers in this conference you have probably three or four teams who have no shot at really doing anything you got a couple teams who have traditionally been good and the kind of programs who you wouldn't be surprised if you saw them compete at the top of the conference like like albany like umbc U- umbc lost a lot they lost a lot more than lyle's they lost um that tiny little point guard um J.J. Morrow or J.P. Morrow, something like that, who was was really, really good and key to what they did offensively. I think they'll still be good. I really like what um, Coach Odom has done with them in that regard. But like you said, it's clear to me Hartford and Vermont are kind of 1A, 1B. The difference for me going into the season right now, I have Hartford slightly ahead of Vermont because kind of like UMBC, Vermont lost a lot of people, a lot of key seniors from the team the teams they've had the last two years that have won 27, 29 games, pushed 30 and made them one of the best been majors in the country. They lost a lot of those guys. They have Anthony Lamb back, who I think will end up winning Conference Player of the Year. I think he's the best player in the conference. But Hartford is coming off of a good year, returns pretty much everybody from that team, and I think you'll see them break through and, and win the conference this year.
0: Let me ask you guys this about these small conferences that um, – <laughs> How hard is it how for them to win the regular the season regular. and then win the tournament? I, I think everyone knows everyone, and, and they play so many conference games, and you see a lot of times the best uh, teams like a Vermont don't get in. Any thoughts on that and, and just on how difficult that is for, for a team to win both? I think small conferences are
2: madness, man, all of them. I mean, you can look at really any any small conference, conference tournament. And they're very rarely chalk. I mean, unless you told like the Ohio Valley that year when Murray state Mm -hmm. or, you know, years like that, even last year with Vermont being as dominant as they were in the tournament, they, I mean, they lost on a last second, basically buzzer beating prayer by Lyles, but they just kind of, they could never put UMBC away in that game last year.
1: I think, It is tough, and I think the big reason behind that is the level of consistency you need to win, not on the regular season title, but then translate that into a much different situation where you don't have as much time to game plan, so coaching plays less of a factor. If you have one guy who gets sought, like Jarris Lyles did, who ended up being the best player of the conference, one of the best players really in the country for those couple weeks in late February and early March, you get a guy that catches fire like that, it can change everything. We've seen some of these small conferences try and change it up so they get their better teams and the regular season champs a better chance. uh, To go and we've seen a couple conferences give just like their top two seeds double buys to where they essentially enter the tournament in the semifinals as a way to try and get them uh, a a bigger advantage as opposed to having to go through three straight days of games or things like that. So I I think we're seeing these teams kind of adjust, but it's also one of the things that we love about the sport it's just those last couple of weeks of March and that unpredictability and who gets hot.
0: And speaking yeah. of conference yeah. uh, of Sorry. conference tournaments, the last conference to adopt a conference tournament is the Ivy League, and they go to a and four-team tournament now. So let's transition on to the Ivy League, uh, and Brian Morrow, start again. Who do you think um, people should look at in this league? Much like – much like – Like the
2: America East that I think, as Brian pointed out, this is going to be another conference that has tiers in it. The bottom tier of this conference is not going to do anything really of any relevance at all. Then you have teams like Harvard and Penn. And I'll even throw Cornell in there, even though losing Stone Gettings is going to hurt them a lot. But they have teams like Harvard with Seth Towns and Bryce Aiken, and then Penn, who got the bid last year are still going to be strong again, but Harvard seems to be, at least in my opinion, the team could be going into the start of the season.
1: I agree. Man. I think they clearly have the most talent uh, in the conference. I don't think anybody else in the conference is capable of competing with another team that they may face in the first round of the NCAA tournament should they get the automatic bid. I think Harvard's the only team that can match up with a power five team or a better group of five team just from a talent, a size, an athleticism standpoint. And, the guys you mentioned, Towns and Aiken, are, are, are two guys that are going to be a problem and one of the better backcourts of any major in the country. I would give them the edge. Yale is going to be a very good team as well. They have been for the past couple of years now. Um, and I Penn's always going to be tricky in, to meet for me until they move the conference tournament because as good as the Palestra is, and I think it's uh, without Penn would be the perfect place for the Ivy League to have their tournament. But when you have Penn making it and them playing – in their home arena, that gives them, I think, a, a major advantage and does a disservice to teams that finish higher like a Harvard or a Yale from a year ago.
0: Did Yale make the I tournament agree. a couple years ago? Or are yeah. they on a yeah. long streak? They made it um, they had-
1: a couple years ago. They had Mekhi Mason, who's now at yeah. Baylor, um, yeah. and, and they actually beat Baylor, uh, I believe, in that first-round game. Kind of shocked a lot of people. Um, but since then, I don't know if they've been back since then. And if they did, I don't think they they didn't do
2: anything. That was the game that had the famous quote by, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was, oh man, his name escapes me again, but he said, um, you guys got out rebounded by like 15. How is that possible? He goes, well, the ball went off the glass and, (laughs) you put two hands up and you grab the ball and Yale did that more times than we did. So that's how so that's literally the greatest troll quote of all time.
0: And I remember that now. And before that Yale had not been in the tournament for a long period of time. And then they come in and and they get that win. And, and this mm-hmm. is, this is one of those for anyone in the bracket. This is a conference where you look at, depending on the matchup, uh, maybe they can, uh, win a game in the NCAA tournament and help you, help you win your bracket down, uh, which is six months away. Let's move on to the Metro Atlantic, uh, athletic conference. Really Go ahead, quick, Brian.
2: Really quick on Harvard, one school in the Ivy league, and I'm sure Brian Ralph will say the same thing. Um, that can consistently pull top 150 players, even though they're still Harvard in their admission standards. They are. I mean, Tom, he played at Duke. He won at, pretty sure, and he is able to go in into places and pull kids that normally would go to other big schools and get like Towns and Aiken, for example.
1: He's the perfect fit for Harvard, and he's they're, – they're, they're the,
2: all, I think, only school in there. They're
1: all, Ivy League teams are always tough matchup because you know they're going to play smart and they're not going to beat themselves, but a lot of times the athleticism and overall skill set disadvantage plays a, a role in, in games not being as close maybe as you might expect them to be. But Harvard's the one team that not only has the Ivy League smarts and, and plays uh, plays a efficient game – but they also have the size and athleticism and, and skill set to really compete with those with those uh, upper tier teams
2: exactly
0: so keep an eye on that conference and harvard and those teams uh come tournament time for your upset special and now we move on to the metro At- atlantic athletic conference uh where four teams had winning records in the conference last year and the team who finished fourth was the team who won the tournament as we talked about our already the conference tournaments are what we love come march uh Iona was the representative in the NCAA last year after a rider uh and Canisius was were both fifteen and three in the tournament. Brian Ralph, let's start with you on this conference. Which teams um look to be the head of the conference? And is there any surprise team in a conference that seems to to have maybe a three, four, or five seed come up and win occasionally? Uh what are your thoughts on the Metro Ath- Atlantic conference?
1: Yeah, I like to call this the MAC. Get, the, get those extra A's in there in the <laughs> middle. Um, to me, I think it's, I think it's still you, – you could get that occasional team that gets hot uh, in March because, as we've seen in years past, there's no – like the top teams aren't overwhelming. I think, though, this year Ryder and Iona are going to be your top two teams that kind of trade back and forth. Ryder, as you said, uh, went 15-3 and in conference a year ago, and they return pretty much everybody from last year's team release a good portion um, of, of their key players though that returning experience with, along with how good they did in the regular season in conference play plus maybe some added motivation of being upset in the conference tournament and wanting to represent their school in the NSA tournament that can be a driving factor for these teams who maybe feel like they need some redemption or maybe get to the NSA tournament a year late even if they don't win uh, the regular season title, I think that motivation could play a big role for them in March. So I would expect them. I uh, honestly would expect them to win both, but I definitely would expect Ryder to win the conference tournament.
0: Brian Morrow, your thoughts?
2: Uh, well, D- Demon Sino Vaughn, I think is how you say his name. Mm-hmm. Really good player. Yes. Super <laughs> player. That Wow. That guy can – Ball, um, so and say death taxes and Tim Clueless in March is one of the things. Things that I mean, <laughs> never against yeah. Iona and never bet against Tim Clueless, a ma- master. No matter where he finishes in the regular season, it seems he's always in the conference tournament. A team that I am higher on than a lot of people are not a team that I'm higher on, and as I've seen, getting a lot of helium lately, uh, Knippiac. They they have the making to just come out of nowhere and surprise everybody. They like uh, – I think Mount St. Mary's losing their coach is going to hurt. Mm-hmm. Sienna, Jimmy Patzos did so much damage to them before he left. It's <laughs> unbelievable. But I love that guy. <laughs> it's a different conversation for a different day. But I think Iona – and I do like Knipiak a lot because they – have a good a, a good roster. So
0: so so there you have it for the Metro uh, Atlantic Athletic Conference, the MAC with the extra A's. I'm hey. going to have to remember that for the Mid-American around these uh parts of town. We're now going to move on to the Northeast Conference and um Brian Ralph um any team here um that you think might um be able to compete in that first round or who do you think's the favorite?
1: I don't think there's anybody really that's going to be able to, to win a 1st round game. Traditionally, we've seen the conference champion end up as a 16 or a 15 seed, which automatically puts them in a bad spot. That's going to be the case again this year. I think Fairleigh Dickinson and St. Francis are, are the two teams really to watch for me. Jamal King for St. Francis could be the difference in the conference. He averaged over 18 points per game last year. He's the conference's leading returning scorer. Outside of him, St. Francis doesn't have a whole lot. I like Fairley Dickinson over St. Francis in that regard, but King's the kind of guy who could go on a Jairus Lyles type run uh, last year and, and get hot and, and carry them to a conference title and then potentially do some damage as, as a 16, 15, 14 seed. If you want to, you can talk yourself into that if you want, but I, I still would go with Fairley Dickinson in the conference.
0: Brian Morrow, go ahead and take okay, it. So,
2: I, I, I have St. Francis. It's PA, the Red yes. Flash. There, there's two St. Francis, St. Francis of Pennsylvania and St. Francis of New York. St. Francis Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is the- Jamal King as, as Brian really good? They also have a player that Paxton, who's a nice compliment, who can also to help pick up the scoring slack. Another team that I always like to keep an eye out on in the Northeast Conference just because they've done it year in, year out and they do it every year and they're probably, they did it last year and it surprised me was LAU Brooklyn. Always I think that for they're, they're well coached always. for that conference. Their coach is probably not going to be there long. Um, they're just they and even they lost their best player in Joel Hernandez. Just Probably have another guy guy step up on average twenty five a game again because that just seems to be what they do every year
0: so yes, what sir. what do you guys think about the ups and downs of these conferences? Do some of these teams stay at the top for long periods of time or or how long is the is the window as is said in the sports in some of these smaller conferences, and does the coaching uh make a difference if you have an elite coach in a conference, are they more than likely to extend that winning window? Uh because these are the the win the conference and usually the one and done in the NCA tournament types. Your thoughts on on, on those topics. Let me I can so and and for the Northeast,
2: for example, they're one of those conferences like the Me Swack, they just a lot of money at all. They don't have great facilities. I mean, plays in a in and their gym above the rafters baseball team is up there that they push down when they're not playing and the bleach it's like a, it's basically like a high school i mean it's it's pretty skin and bones there's not, not a huge arena i mean they're just playing that have a gym in them not a lot of seats it's hard to get people to go to their games that's why a lot of these coaches the americans they have more money but for the northeast conference for example a lot of them, they want to get out because the resources that are available to them at the St. Francis and the LA, Brooklyn's and the Wagners just isn't what it could be at really any other mid-major, any other conference really other than the Maniac and the SWAC.
1: Yeah, um, I I definitely agree with that. The, it's a big problem for those conferences. Those are the ones that get hit hard by the by the grad chancellors and, and players chancering up to try their hand at at big time college basketball. Coaching makes a difference only in terms of the conference tournament. Like, If you have a coach who just knows how to prepare a team and, and get the most out of his team during those three, four, or five days, you're in a much better position than everybody else because you could mess around during the regular season, get a six seed, maybe have some tough road trips. But if, if you can turn it on during that week and you have a coach who knows how to turn that on, suddenly you're the only team from the conference that's really getting any national recognition and that's going to elevate your profile and give you a major advantage over everybody else. I, I think in the Northeast, especially we've seen uh, the, the American East, I think is another, another conference that this happens with, but there's no team that has necessarily staying power because you see those best players, those better players for the best teams move up divisions, but you have the same two, three, four teams kind of rotating between who's conference champion. Like you have a, an elite tier of teams that are able to kind of differentiate themselves from the lower tiers. And every now and again, one of the lower tiers will, will pop up, but it's traditionally the same two, three, four teams who are able to kind of rotate in and, and get all of the conference championships.
0: Uh, this is good stuff. This is a sports talk with Tonsoni. We're talking with a couple of Bryans or actually three of us um, about uh, some college basketball preview, especially the Eastern uh, the conferences uh, in the eastern part of the country. Uh, we've been through four conferences. We have four more conferences to go. We are now moving on to the Patriot League, and this league has had some success over the years in the tournament, uh, specifically with uh, Bucknell program, who has been able to win the tournament, get into the NCAA, and has defeated some bigger schools in the past. Uh, Brian Marl, let's start with you on this one. Um, what What teams are are there that are going to be at the top of the Patriot conference?
2: I have attested to that. This is a wide open conference in the entire country. And there's not one team that glares at you. That could be a possibility of better than, better than the next. The team that I have picked to win it is Colgate. They have been returning from last year. Year, but that's not saying much because last year Bucknell was so much better than everybody. Else. But both of Bucknell's stars, uh, is that his name? Zach, what is his name? Nana Fallon is one. I don't remember what the other.
1: Oh, I know who you're talking about, but yeah,
2: yeah, big talk, guy. yeah, yeah, um, they're both gone, and those guys were the two best players in the conference last year. And Colgate has a lot of guys returning. Now, a team to keep an eye on who has, as we talk majors and the lower ones have, you know, revolving door of like four or five teams. One team that has the conference a lot in the essentially down is Lehigh. And again, um, CJ McCollum, who went to Lehigh, is in the NBA. They have who's <laughs> also probably going to. So that's just when you have an NBA player in a mid-major conference, it helps you win a lot of games.
0: Last year in the Patriot League, I'm counting one, two, three, five teams with winning records in the comp regular season conference um, of the ten teams in the league. So that speaks to what Brian just said about it's a wide open conference. Um, Brian Ralph, your your thoughts on the Patriot League? I still think you got to keep an eye on Bucknell because. That difference between them and the rest of the conference
1: last year was so great, and they're one of these mid-major programs that may take a slight setback, but they're always there. You wouldn't be surprised if they won either the regular season or the conference tournament. Um, I agree. is a team to keep an eye out for. I think Boston BU Boston University is another team that could potentially sneak through. Again, this is a, a wide open conference, so really anybody in the top half has enough talent to win. It's just a matter of who can play consistently, defend their home court, and then put together those uh, three, four straight days of, of quality basketball in March. Uh, I think Lehigh will eventually win the conference tournament. I think this will be the year they kind of get back into that. It's going to cause a, a lot of problems in brackets because a lot of people who don't pay attention will see Lehigh and think, oh, they beat Duke that one time. All right, them in. they're a good team.
2: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Duke was not playing yeah. very well. So, but I, they'll
1: just, they'll, you know. they'll, they'll remember CJ, like you said, they'll remember CJ McCollum, but they'll remember because it's Duke, they'll definitely remember that one. And so Lehigh will pop up on their bracket and they'll say, Oh, Lehigh, I need to write Lehigh in and Lehigh's Lehigh's a quality team, but I don't think they're going to really give any power five team or and anybody that they'll play in the first round, a, a major threat.
0: Do you guys can you,
2: think, can I just say,
0: yeah, oh, go sorry, ahead. Can
2: I say something too about kind of the, So the mid-majors, so as Brian Ralph had talked about with even the Northeast Conference about how, you know, they're all going to be like a a 15 or 16. The fact that all of these teams have to go and play huge Power 5, Power 6 schools because they have no money is going to rack them up enough losses to where their records are going to look terrible, regardless of how good of a team they actually are. So they're destined for the 15, 16 seed line. It's just going to happen. I mean, last year, there there was no way and i i i still attest to this there was no way that umbc was a 16 seed much less the worst team in that in the tournament last year based upon seed line but that's where they were and virginia also realized that they were not that bad so that's just my little two cents on that but
0: what do you think um when it, do, it does come time to pick your brackets yeah here's a conference lehigh has beat duke and bucknell has beat some power 5 schools Are there certain conferences to look at that have a better chance? Are there certain conferences that get better athletes and maybe hit on a a pro athlete every once in a while? Uh, Or is it just, you know, some team in a small conference has that magic at the right time? Is is there any kind of pattern that our listeners can kind of look for through the season, or is it just a a random occurrence on the right day in, in March?
1: I think there are conferences that you look at first, for those upsets but you have to look at each team individually like the Patriot League has had history of those kind of things but when Lehigh made the tournament in 2012 like Lehigh hadn't done anything Lehigh wasn't anything special but if you looked at who they were and they had CJ McCall and you look at at that team you're like oh this team could do something but the fall like you know following year Patriot League and anybody who comes out of the Patriot League isn't going to pull off an upset like that you have to look at te- the the specific team the conferences may be able to, to tell you the who traditionally has teams that are on a athletic skill level to be able to compete with some of those bigger teams. Uh, so you need to look at those first, but I wouldn't pick a team just based on the conference they came from. You have to look at each team specifically.
2: I would say that because, I mean, I can tell you with almost 100% certainty that that same year that Lehigh beat Duke, nobody had Norfolk State beating Missouri. No. And the one year that Hampton beat the Marcus Pfizer led Iowa State team, nobody had that. And that Hampton team had nobody of note on it. However, the Norfolk State team did have Kylo Quinn, who is a journeyman in the NBA, but he still plays. But nobody had those upsets, just like nobody. And the year that and Duke has Duke has actually taken some decent ones in the tournament over the last maybe decade. I mean, except for Mercer, Mercer. they got beat by Mercer and. uh lehigh it's back-to-back season so case case taking a few but he's also won his fair share too so one
1: thing too with upsets because you'll get those where the team just comes out of nowhere a lot of times when that team comes out of nowhere for instance with missouri frank haith who was the coach at the time oh boy is notoriously terrible in the inside on yeah. the flip side of that when you're looking for upsets look at coaches and teams who are historically bad or underachieve in march Like for for a stretch, Kansas maybe doesn't always go as far as they should. Um, Coaches like Villanova
2: for a while until Villanova until
1: they won. And uh, the past five years, they've won two titles and events out in the second round three times. Yeah, so like you know, it's it's hit or miss with them. But these are look for those teams as well when you're pick when you're looking for upsets. The teams and programs that traditionally may not have as much success as you would expect them to uh, in the NCA tournament.
2: Another thing I like to do is just. Of course, this is me being the, like, you know, basketball writer guru that I am looking at teams like, for example, Loyola Chicago last year or when Lehigh made their run, or then you have the team like Murray State or even that St. Joseph's team. And There's one more that I'm trying to think of. Um, Well, even when Gonzaga first got in the tournament, I mean, they're not really a mid-major anymore, Mm -hmm. but those are the kind of – I mean, or Buffalo last year. That Buffalo team last year – was grossly underseated. Great. Yes,
1: Ooh, grossly
2: yes. underseated. That team should have been a top five seed in the tournament. They were ridiculously good. They have, I mean, they got they got dudes everywhere, <laughs> and they had they drew Arizona and just ran Arizona out of the gym. So
1: another another thing, the last thing I'll say about this is pay attention to who wins these kind of games in the non-conference schedule, in, in late November, early, mid-December. Loyola Chicago, for instance, last year went on the road, beat Florida in Gainesville. Everyone kind of realized, oh, these guys might be kind of good. They showed they could beat these teams and then held strong all season long. A couple of years ago, Hawaii um, went out and they beat somebody who was really good. Um, I think they actually won like a, a Christmas tournament and they beat a, a couple good teams and then got to the NCAA tournament and upset Cal in the first round. Like those well, that teams, was the
2: year that – that was the year the Hawaii team. That was the year that Nebraska was preseason ranked. Um, yes, because that was the year they just came out of the tournament and they blasted Nebraska in that first game of the tournament. Of course, realizing as a, I'm a Nebraska fan, that Nebraska team wasn't very good, <laughs> but at that point in time, that Nebraska team was undefeated. So and Hawaii yeah. crushed them.
1: So, so pay so attention. Pay attention to those, those teams that make statement wins in the non conference, and then if you see them pop up in your bracket again later later on remember like kind of keep a mental stock of those teams and kind of see who they're playing
0: you know this is really good stuff now for our listeners to to pay attention to these smaller one bid conferences and the results in 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 the non-conference season as well as the conference season and everyone always turns in uh into tournament week uh, to watch uh those tournaments but this is really interesting uh conversation here but now we move from the one bid to what we call multiple bids in the in the bracketology. These are conferences that can get not only their conference tournament winner or their designated winner into the tournament, but might be able to get multiple teams. And we're going to start with the A-10. And um, last year they were able to get three uh, schools into the NCAA. They've had upwards of four or five at times. So who are the favorites, uh, gentlemen, and how many bids do you think uh, this conference might be able to garner This year, we'll start with you, Brian Morrow, on the A-10. So I –
2: this conference is another weird one because there's not really a clear-cut team. I mean, last year it was Rhode Island. Everyone kind of knew that going in. Yeah. This year, I have a hard time betting against Bob McKillop ever, so I'm going to go with Davidson. St. Louis has the best roster, but Mm -hmm. their coach is a problem in my opinion, at least. And then you just got to look at teams like George Mason, who have a really good core. Uh, teams like UMass have a really good core and a really good young coach. But I don't know if UMass is really there yet. And you still have to kind of put Rhode Island in there because Hurley built them. So mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll be too bad. And St. Bonaventure, because even though they did lose the probably the best backcourt in college basketball, they still have some pretty good pieces.
0: You know, this is a conference... I- I- the, the, I'll go, go back. I'll go to you, Brian, just saying this is a conference that has had some teams that have made really significant runs in the tournament over the years. You go back to Davidson when they had a player. George Mason makes it to the final four. VCU to the final four. St. Joseph's as well. So depending on uh, who who's playing, there's some decent coaches in this conferences. This is this is a conference to watch when they're at their best can really make some noise come NCAA tournament time. Brian Rolf, take it away.
1: I think St. Louis, Davidson, and George Mason are probably the three teams that will get in the tournament from here if they get three bids. It wouldn't surprise me if they got two. and uh, Maybe it was just two, uh, two of those three teams. It wouldn't surprise me if they got four. Neither UMass or Rhode Island slipped in there as well. But I think those three, St. Louis, Davidson, George Mason, are, are kind of a that top tier of teams who will be competing for the regular, regular season title. St. Louis, to me, has by far the best roster. Coaching is a problem. Yes. offense might yes offense might might be a problem but they have legit size everywhere they have uh, athleticism everywhere the problem for them is going to be coaching in close games and then if they can score enough they're one of the worst offensive teams in the country last year how are they going to improve on that they'll be deeper this year which may help them but I, i'm not sure if they have enough to necessarily get over the hump the roster says they do i'm a little, a little skeptical but also. Very high on them. I think we, we could see them have a really big year. Davidson has the best coach in the conference, I think, about Bob McKillop. They have the best player in, in Kellen Grady, who's a point guard that NBA teams are watching. So you can't count them out. I'm going to give the edge of St. Louis here. I think St. Louis has potential, too, if they get in the tournament, to win a couple games. Because of their defense and their size, They they can match up with a Power 5 team. So I like them in that regard.
0: And, you know, is there one team – that does not look like to be in the top three or four. That could come up in surprise in in the A ten.
2: UMass, they have one of the best players in the country. Luwani Pipkins gets buckets, man. That dude can fill it up like I mean, he just, he. Man, that dude is a, he's he's fun to watch. He's their point guard. He's really good.
1: UMass has been building towards this for a couple of years too. Like they, this is the year that they're supposed to be taking the next step and kind of be in contention for a tournament bid. So that certainly wouldn't be a surprise. Um, I mean, it, it wouldn't be a surprise, but it also wouldn't be surprised if they made kind of that extra, took that extra step when they made this leap to get, make the NSA tournament. People are counting Rhode Island out, but again, as, as, as we've mentioned, they have a very good roster still, so uh, Danny Hurley left a lot of good pieces in place and a good program, so it wouldn't surprise me
0: if they didn't have the drop-off that we expect.
2: So that's Russell on there.
0: That's, that's Russell. Really there you go. Yeah. So look for a couple teams uh, from the A10 to to make the tournament, and now we're into some power uh, conferences from the East. We're going to start with the Big East, and one of the questions I'd like to ask both of you overall is: the Big East going to take a step back? Some heavy graduations. Um, uh, or, or does it just reorganize itself to being uh, the top conference or one of the top conferences that it's been, as well as the normal who's going who's gonna to be um, the favorite? So, Brian, Rolf, let's start with you. Is the Big e still going to move forward, or is it, is it going to possibly take a step back? And then who who is your favorite?
1: It's going to take a step back, I think, in terms of just
0: overall
1: uh, depth at the top. Villanova is not going to be Villanova we've seen the last couple years. They're going to be a very good team, a top 20 team, but they're not going to make a run to the final four. I don't think they're, they're too young. They don't have enough depth at the moment. They're going to be good. They're going to win the conference because there's nobody who can really challenge them at the top, I don't think, who has their overall talent and, and, and skill and the culture that Jay Wright has. They're going to play the right way. They're going to be good. They're going to win the conference again. Two through nine, though, in the conference – you could make the case for any of those teams finishing two. You can make the case for any of those teams finishing nine. And as many as, as four or five of those teams could make the NCAA tournament. It's kind of just a shoot right now. The team I'm really interested to see, though, a lot of people are very high on Marquette in the preseason. A lot of people think they may finish second. I, I am really high on St. John's. I'm a believer in St. John's. I love Shamori Pines. Pines, uh, Shomori Shamori, Ponds, excuse me. Um, Mustafa Heron. Getting him eligible, I think, is a big deal for them. Getting Pons as running mate. Um, you got a big man transfer in from Auburn uh, who's going to give them some toughness down low. I think Chris Mullins is a better coach than a lot of people give him credit for. I don't think people realized how bare the cupboard was when he first got, uh, got in charge of the program. Results could be better. Uh, they haven't had a winning season yet under him. Um, but I don't think he's gotten the – People have been harder on him than I think they, they should be. But this is the year where they need to take that step forward and I think they will. I think they'll finish second in the conference.
0: Brian
2: Morrow, your thoughts? Um I do Villan I mean, I think it'll be a down year, but down year for Villanova. So they make the final four instead of winning a title. So <laughs> you know, or go on the sweet sixteen. Um they are gonna have a much different looking roster but as brian ralph said they'll they'll they'll, they'll it's a j right coach team still they're gonna play like they're supposed to they're not gonna do anything flashy because villanova teams never do anything flashy they just beat you into submission and usually run up the score on you late because it's what they do however i also am one that really likes st john's as well i do have marquette at second in the conference just because i think that having the player of the year in the Big East is going to do a of Marcus Howard.
1: That'll help. If you
2: have not watched Marcus Howard yet, the kid can shoot the lights out and he never misses a free throw. I mean, That's basically <laughs> like the the 10-second scattering report on Marcus Howard. Um, St. John's I do like. I tell you, I watched them play a lot last year, and I could not figure out how they had that long losing streak in the middle of the season. Because that team had a lot of talent last year. I mean, they beat Duke. Like they I mean, they went to a neutral yeah. court in the middle of a 12-game losing streak and beat Duke. So it's there. They can't they can do it. Um, one thing is for sure in the Big East, and it's always gonna be true, DePaul is gonna finish in last. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> I got it
1: Georgetown's a team that's been down there. It would not surprise me this year if Georgetown was in contention for an NCAA tournament. Then I think they'll end up in the NIT, which would be a major step forward for them, but I would not be surprised if they were kind of sniffing around the bubble in February.
0: That that took one of my questions uh, I was going to ask about. Uh, Ewing led Georgetown, saw them play at Xavier last year in person, uh, and they weren't necessarily too far off. Uh, they, they weren't great. Uh but it looks like maybe they're headed in an upward uh, trend. And if I could ask you about a couple teams in the Midwest that belong to the Big East, how's Xavier going to transition with their new coach, Travis Steele, is one question. And then um, outlook for Butler this year, which is here in in the state of Indiana, and a lot of listeners uh, may either follow Butler or, or at least follow them as a secondary team to some of the others. Your thoughts on Xavier and Butler. Whoever wants to jump in can take the first one. I'll go
2: with Xavier. I'm not as high on Xavier as some others are. Initially, I was, but breaking down the roster, I mean, they're still going to have Chris Max guys, and Travis Steele is doing a heck of a job of recruiting. But losing what they lost is really hard to replace. And last year was one of those magical seasons for Xavier that you don't really just kind of come into. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think that they'll be terrible. I think they're a. I mean, I still think they're going to make the tournament, but I don't think they're going to be, you know, at the top two, three seed anymore again.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think they'll take a – they're still going to be good. I think they'll finish top half of the Big East, which will make them somewhat of a bubble team. But on the right side, I think that they may grab like a, a 10 seed or so, feels about right, maybe getting that 8-9 game. Um, they have some good pieces. I think Paul Scruggs is going to be a very,
2: Not very – is still there, I think, isn't he?
1: They got – they they seem to have just some interchangeable pieces that I think the transition from Chris Mack to Travis Steele, they're still going to play the same way. They still have that style. They're not going to go through a, a change over a year where they have to worry about kind of some turnover and learning a new system. Everything's going to be the same. The only difference is losing a guy like Trayvon Blewett, losing a guy like J.P. McCura, guys who meant so much to them. On both ends, particularly offensively, replacing Blewett's scoring is going to be the team's biggest problem and is going to keep them from being that sort of uh, upper echelon team in the conference.
0: Uh, thoughts on Butler?
2: Um, they are the most – one of the most consistent programs in the country. I don't see any – I don't see that changing. They've gone through, what, five coaches in the last 10 years or so, and every single year – they find themselves in the exact same spot. Butler is the one team, a lot like Villanova, and I'll even throw Creighton in there, even though it, being a Nebraska fan, it still kind of hurts me to say that a little bit, but I'll throw Creighton in there too. They're the one school, or those are the three schools really that don't recruit based upon stars. They recruit because of the, what type of player they are. Butler recruits players, mm-hmm. they can get the top players, but they recruit players that fit into what they're trying to do which is how they've remained so consistent over the years, like year after year after year. They just and Brad Stevens built it up, but he's gone, obviously, and doing a heck of a job in the NBA. So he's obviously not coming back, but they still remain just so unbelievably consistent, year in, year out.
1: Butler's always one of the toughest teams for me for that reason. Because if you just look at at their roster and on paper, they they don't necessarily have the talent of a team that you're like, that's a lock for the NSA tournament. But because of the consistency they play with, the style of play, they know who they are and they play to their strengths and they defend their home court, which is one of the keys to getting those big wins. They also play Villanova really well. They've beaten Villanova each of the past two years, which has helped their resume. But they defend their home court well. They they play to their style and play it well. They have a lot of guys who don't get sped up. So they, they, they're not a team that's going to go crazy and turn the ball over 30 times a game if, if a team's pressing them or someone's having an off game. Everybody kind of contributes – Talent, I get talent wise. I don't know if they're an NCAA tournament team, but I'll have a hard time actually saying the words that Butler isn't going to make the NCAA tournament because I think they will somehow find their way in there.
0: And the Big East will get multiple bids in, and it just depends on who's at the top of the conference and exactly how many bids, depending on what's going on across the, the country. We have about 10 minutes left, uh, gentlemen, to discuss probably and arguably one of the best, if not the best, conferences in all of college basketball, uh, the ACC. Uh, talk about how many bids you think the ACC will get uh, along with uh, the the favorites at, at this time. Uh, Brian, Ralph, let's start with you. Number of bids and and who's likely to to be the top team or top teams?
1: I think we're going to, I think we'll go eight bids in the ACC. I think eight's a good number. I think Louisville finds the way in the first year under Chris Mack. I I don't, I think he's a good enough coach and they have enough depth with the grad transfers they brought in to squeak in one of the bottom seeds. I don't, they don't have that top end guy or or top end guys who are going to be stars, but they have 10 guys who are all capable of contributing. So I think that'll get them a, a spot. I think NC state, is another team that's going to get one of those kind of smaller bids. We see them as a, a, a 10 seed, eight, nine seed like they were last year. They're going to be good enough with the, the fast paced, pressing style of play that Kevin Keats likes to play their head coach to pull off some upsets like they did last year. Last Remember last year they beat UNC. They beat Arizona. They beat these really, really good teams. We'll see them beat some teams like that again, but last year they also lost to UNC Greensboro. They lost to Georgia tech. They had some just really head-stretching losses We'll see. I think we'll see that kind of inconsistency again, but those big wins, we'll get them in. And in terms of top teams, I think it's a it's a three horse race between Duke, UNC, and Virginia. I'm on record. I I think North Carolina is the best team in the country this year. The only major hole that they have is at point guard, and I think the combination of Kobe White and Seventh Woods, but particularly Kobe White, these five star freshman they have coming in, is going to erase all doubt about that within five games. But the way Virginia plays in the regular season and the way Duke defends their home court, I think it'll be Duke or Virginia that wins the regular season title in the ACC, but UNC will win the conference tournament. And then I think UNC will win the national championship.
0: Uh, Before I go to Brian Morrow uh, from a coach's perspective, I think that I I really like what you just said there, Brian, because sometimes it's talent in a, in a multiple day tournament where you have to Mm -hmm. win three games in a row. Uh, But there's a difference between, how you play in the regular season, with time to prepare and travel and all of that, and style, and does then what style plays best in a in the ACC tournament? And sometimes it's your best athletes or or a hot team at at that point. And, and that's that I think that goes in the NCA too. Your your better talent sometimes rises in those situations. Um, better uh, and better coaching or better systems might be able to eke out some more wins in preparation, and I think that is in play here with Virginia and Duke and North Carolina, those different styles uh, in this conference. Brian Morrow, number of bids for the ACC and and who you think are your favorites? Okay, well, I'll stick,
2: I'll stick with eight. Eight's a good number. It's really hard to get in nine. It's really hard to get in ten. Eight's yeah. a good number. Um, I am going to – my whole thing with the ACC is <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to watch this because. Literally, as Brian Ralph knows, the three freshmen that play at Duke are unbelievable players. And I'm not I mean so let's just say this. There's always a fan out there who loves to see kids who have rim shaking, earth shattering dunks who's a freak of nature. That's Zion Williams. Then you have the greatest probably one of the best high school players that I've ever seen in my life, and RJ Barrett, who's from Canada. And then you have another kid who would be the number one kid in the country, if not for R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish playing there as well. Then they have another guy who's unheralded, but was also a top 15 recruit in Joey Baker, who's going to come in and give them quick points when they need it. And that's only on Duke. And then North Carolina has Nas Little, who I've seen some NBA scouts saying that they've watched the kid play and think that he's going to be number one one in the lottery this year. Without even playing a college game, and that's over Barrett and Zion and Cam Reddish, and then you also have Virginia, who with their style of play, but they still have one of the best players in the country and DeAndre Hunter. So those three schools are going to probably be at the top. I am a lot higher on Boston College than probably anybody.
1: I was I was about to bring that up.
2: They are. They are they they're, they're right there. I think this could be the year finally for Jim Christian that he gets them there. team they really came into their own last year. Um, they I mean obviously Boston College one of the worst was one of the worst power five programs for probably the last five ten years and last year they won some really big games and they again are another team that beat Duke last year mm-hmm. as well. It um, seems to be a theme with teams in this podcast of teams <laughs> to beat Duke, just because kind of, I mean, if you want to be number one, you got to beat number one. Um, but I have also gone on record saying that I don't think that it's really that much of a race, and I think Duke is going to just run away with the title. So,
1: I, if a, if a ninth team is going to get in, I think it will be Boston College because Kai Bowman, uh, their point guard, is geez. special and can do everything. If he averages twenty-seven and
2: seven. It's not going to be a surprise. He's he has really, a triple double waiting to happen. Literally.
1: Yeah, he,
2: he I mean, is I'm somebody. Not joking. Like he is, he he will he will get. Kai Bowman will get, and I'll you all you guys can kill me on Twitter for this later. But he's going to get at least three triple doubles this year, and I don't think he'll do it. and It won't be that hard for him to do it either.
1: I wouldn't bet against it. There are, I will say, there are three things in the ACC um, not to take up too much time that I'm really interested to see. The first one with regards to Virginia, we, we've we kind of just assumed now that they're going to be at the top of the conference, and I think they will be. But one thing that will be interesting for me to watch how other teams attack them, when UMBC beat them last year, Coach Odom went to the podium and talked about how they pressed Virginia and pressed Ty Jerome and pressed Kyle Guy, and that's what they had success with, getting them kind of out of the rhythm offensively, and they hadn't really seen anybody do that. They had kind of been able to uh, – walked the ball up the court as they wanted to and get into their set. They hadn't been pressed. UMBC pressed them, and Virginia really struggled with that. I'm curious to see how other teams approach approach Virginia now, and if other teams try and and maybe pick up a half court, pick up three-quarter court, and apply more pressure. I want to see how Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy handle that.
2: It is weird you say that, but I often think a lot of times the way teams attack Virginia – is just because they expend so much energy on offense, even trying to get a look at the basket half the time. That That's by true. The time they're on defense; they're just done. I mean, they have no energy left. Which well, when, is why when, it was so impressive what UMBC did because they took quick shots, they hoisted a lot of threes, and they made a lot yeah. of them. And then when they weren't making threes, they were just backdoor cutting them to death. And they, obviously, it led to a absolute this wag pasting in the NCAA tournament so they
1: they press they got the turnovers and then they would go down and score in five seconds and they'd focus again on defense I think that's going to be something to watch against Virginia this year and then going back to the freshman specifically for Duke I think R.J. Barrett's going to win national player of the year this year he doesn't get talked about in the same breath as guys like Ben Simmons and the guys who went into their freshman year as these Unher- like as these super-heralded blue-chip prospects who NBA teams are drooling over. R.J. Barrett isn't the same player as Ben Simmons, obviously, but he's just as good coming into college, if not better, than I think any of them have been in recent years. I think he'll be a national player of the year this year. I also think Zion, people have given him a lot of uh, crap, unnecessarily because they see him dunking all these highlights and wonder, well, can he shoot? Can he do anything but dunk? Him. Yes. Him as yes, a, he
2: can. I'll tell you yes, yes, yes he can. Him
1: <laughs> as a small ball four with his quickness and freak it like freakish athleticism is going to be a problem for teams. If he's in the post, he's gonna out jump the guy and out strength the guy because he's two hundred and seventy five freaking pounds and dunk on someone's head and if he your four man tries to guard him out in the perimeter, he'll blow right by you in two steps.
2: Now, I, I don't think, know, I mean like yeah, and as sorry to interrupt you. No, no you're like, fine. I just want to gush about Zion for a second. I don't mean to say, like, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, the kid I, – I, and I will admit, I first found out about him about three years ago watching some highlight videos. Oh, yeah. So I'm that guy. But then I watched more on him, and the highlight videos don't really show the type of basketball player the kid is. He's a freak. I mean, and I use this term like, like he is – he literally is a freak. There are kids that are as big as he is. He's like LeBron of college basketball. Well, let's not go that far. I mean, he's not as talented as LeBron, but, like, he, as Brian Ralph said, he is going, you're going to take him off. Be like, oh, well, there's a six foot five kid playing the four and I'm seven foot tall. So I'm just going to play lax defense. And then he's going to jump over you and dunk on yeah. you. And I'm not like, and he'll do it flat footed. The kid's never lost a dunk contest in his life. I don't see it happening ever at, at any point no. in his <laughs> life. I mean, he is a monster and he's so much fun to watch.
1: I think, too, the last thing I'll say, um, I think I, – I've said UNC. I think UNC to win the national championship this year. I think we'll see both Duke and UNC in the Final Four, which has only happened UNC. one other time in 1991. I think we'll see both of them get in. Uh, the ACC will get two teams in the Final Four. Re- Real,
0: Real quick – Little,
2: Noss Little's a beast, too, the kid from UNC. Yeah, oh, yeah. Absolute.
0: Real crazy. quick here, we're, we're at about the five-minute mark before we have to sign off. But uh, Notre Dame, a, a local school here in Indiana – uh they seem to be down a lot of uh people picking them in the latter half of, of the season a quick uh quick outlook on Notre Dame there's just not enough
1: there uh I, I think we saw that last year when Bonzi Colson went down and Matt Farrell was dealing with injuries there's not a lot there right now next year when they add some more talent and and, and their young guys kind of progress and become a, another year older they can get back in the NCAA tournament mix I think but during this this stretch they've had where they've been incredible and made the anti-tournament every year, they've had two or three guys who you can rely on and say, these two guys are some of the best players in the ACC. They can go win us a game. Everybody else can play good complementary basketball to those guys, and those guys will carry us. Last, They don't have those guys anymore. They can develop them, but they don't have those guys right now, and that's the difference.
0: Brian Morrow, anything on Notre Dame?
2: Yeah, I'll just play devil's advocate here and say never bet against Mike Bray. I mean – The guy seems to every year take nothing and create something out of it. So he's him and Jay Wright, him and Tim Clueus, and Jay Wright are the three guys (laughs) that, and Mark Few. It's really hard to say like, yeah, they're not going to make it just looking at their roster because every single year they beat somebody. And the way Notre Dame plays, they're going to knock somebody off. They're going to win enough good. They're going to win enough good games, and they're going to beat enough good teams. To where they're going to get the benefit of the doubt, just like they did last year. Even though I'm still taking this to my grave and I'll die on the hill. Notre Dame had zero business being in the tournament last year, and they did not. Yeah, like they should. They shouldn't have even been in consideration for being in the NCAA tournament last year. They had horrible losses.
1: But I don't think I'm the resume. The whole thing with Bonzi Colson without Bonzi Colson. The resume with yeah. Bonsie Colson, I don't think was good enough. I do
2: lost a ball state with him. I'm sorry. I'm not, yep. I, I, I,
1: I, and Indiana. By, <laughs> yeah, and in the end, and their their best win was over Wichita State and Maui, which looked great at the time, and as is, as the season went on, was an okay win, but not one that moves the
0: needle. But I hate guys, to they didn't
2: have Landry Schmidt at that time either, so it's just, you know, whatever. true.
0: Hate to cut this off. I can go on for another hour. I really appreciate getting to meet you, Brian Ruff, uh, through Brian Morrow. Brian, thank you for this suggestion. We'll be doing this every Monday uh, for the next three weeks or so to get all the conferences out. Uh, uh, we're down to about two minutes. Uh, quickly, Brian Ruff, share with our listeners where they can find your work and connect with you on social media.
1: Bustingbrackets.com is the best place you see my stuff, you see Brian Morrow's stuff, you see a lot of great writers. Uh, we have called every conference, every team covered from pretty much every angle on there with a great team of writers. Uh you want to see my stuff specifically, you can go to bustingbrackets.com. I'd think backslash author backslash B Ralph. I'm not sick B-R-A-U-F. Uh you can find me on Twitter at B Ralph33, B-R-A-U-F 33. All my stuff will be there. Um be writing a lot about the year. I think I have uh Pac twelve and um American power rankings this year, along with I'll be keeping a close eye on the national player of the year race and just everything else that that's going on in the country. So if you, if you'd like, you can find all my work in those places.
0: That's awesome. Uh, Brian Morrow, share with our listeners where they can find your work. Again,
2: as Brian Ralph said, you can find me at bustingbrackets.com. I have a lot of stuff on there. So I do a lot of mid-major basketball as well as a lot of, uh, I do do the ACC um, and the big 10 is I'm a Nebraska fan. So um, so I will do, what's that? I'm sorry. You know what? Maybe this might, this, this could, this could be my year. Probably won't, but it could be, it could be. I'm optimistic. So we'll see what happens. Um, So you can find me there. You can also find me on Twitter at three color beard as my beard is three colors and that's all I have. So thank you.
0: Thank you, gentlemen, for your time. Uh, That'll do it for this edition of Sports Talk with Tonsoni. Follow us on Twitter at Sports Tons and at Delphi Brackets for the bracket information. We're about ready to put out our preseason bracket in the next week or two. Uh, SportsTalkWithTonsoni.com for our high school students and our faculty doing some written work on the side. Uh, Contact me at Twitter at Sony42. So for Brian Roth, Brian Morrow, I am Brian Tonsoni signing off. Good evening.